Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Pre-Med Year, session number 523. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a great episode for you today, talking about some mindfulness some stress relief. I think we all deal with stress in our own ways. I eat my stress. Some people pick their fingers or pull out their hair or do any other random things, curl up in a ball in the corner, take a nap, whatever. Um, We're going to talk to a student today, a med student who has worked on her mindfulness, meditation, stress relief, and hopefully you'll get some good tips today to help you with your stress relief. Before we jump in to today's episode, though, I want to talk about the MCAT Minute, brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Let's talk about stress relief with the MCAT. Blueprint MCAT is there to help reduce your stress at each step of the process, including an amazing free account where you get access to a half-length diagnostic, a free full-length, and what I think is the best part of the free account, one that will help reduce your stress as much as possible so you can plan out your MCAT prep journey, and that is their free study planner tool. Go check it out at blueprintmcat.com. You tell it when you're going to take the MCAT or when you hope to take the MCAT, what your schedule looks like, days off that you know you're going to be able to miss or that you are going to miss, and it will lay out a schedule for you. And then life happens, and if you miss a day or you couldn't complete everything it suggested for that day, you just drag and drop to the next day. Again, go check it out all in their free account, blueprintmcat.com. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in and say hello to our guest today. Kevna, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Of course. I'm so excited to have a conversation with you. Um, You are in medical school now, so congratulations on that. When did you first realize you wanted to be a doctor? I think I realized when I was taking science classes in high school that, you know, like how things work and um, what is happening inside our human body was like really interesting to me. So that's like the first place that I kind of had an inkling. And then in college, I majored in neuroscience, kind of started exploring like the science side of things more. And that's when it like really got solidified, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Also just like some personal experiences like in my family like having some family members go through um 
some diseases and kind of like working with them and learning about that and also just like the classic shadowing experiences but I think in college like middle college is when it like really got solidified yeah so we uh, are going to be talking about uh, some stress relief stuff, some mindfulness stuff today. Um, what part of your pre-med journey do you think was the most stressful for you? I think definitely around COVID time. So as soon as COVID had hit, I was in the middle of my MCAT prep. And um, so that was like, I think it was it was early 2020 and I was scheduled to take the MCAT in March, 2020, but COVID and stuff happened like late Feb, early March. And then like at that time, like my MCAT got like rescheduled and postponed like four times. So like I constantly had to like stay on top of my material while like also like taking classes remotely. And I also didn't want to take a gap year. So at the same time, I started like thinking about like applying to med schools and stuff like that. And during this whole time, like COVID was still going on. So I think just like the combined stress of like having this pandemic and also reading like, oh, there's like twice as many people who are now applying to med school because they just have more free time. <laughs> that, know, that was the biggest time. load of crap in the world. I hate it. Like, <laughs> I hated that headline, the whole Fauci effect. No, there were there were more people applying to medical school because they thought it was going to be a shortcut to get in without taking the MCAT. Oh, man. Anyway. Uh, Fake what news. <laughs> Huge fake news. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> no, you've been through this process. Nobody's just wakes up one day going, I think I'm going to apply to med school. <laughs> like, it's just, it doesn't happen. Um, anyway, uh, so the obviously, right? COVID stressful for everyone being a pre med student, where, uh, I, I've seen some data pre meds are, are more, more depressed and more anxious and more everything than their, than their fellow undergrad counterparts. What did you do during that time to counteract that stress? If if anything, did you have did you have proper tools back then? So I think starting um, when COVID and everything happened, I definitely was not handling my stress like very well. Like I was like, you know, not eating properly, and then just like my sleep cycle also got like really messed up. And then somewhere in the middle of all of this, I realized that like this is not going to be like a long-term sustainable way to handle stress, especially if I was planning on pursuing this career in medicine. Medicine itself is a stressful career and you need healthy ways to manage and cope with that stress. So I started to kind of realize that I would need a combination of like physical and mental strategies to kind of combat the stress. So physically, I kind of started um, exercising more. So like going on walks outside whether that was like by myself or with my family and also eating healthier so that was nice being at home even though I was quarantined I did get good food from family so that was good um and then just mentally and spiritually I started to get into meditation a little more um that was more so for my brain I feel like when you're stressed it's also very easy to let your mind kind of like race around with thoughts and it can get very hard to control your thoughts and I feel like 80 to 85 percent of the time things you worry about never actually happen and so <laughs> trying to find a way to control those things is probably like the healthiest way to kind of deal with that stress and 
keep yourself at an all-time low. That being said, it's not that you're not going to be stressed. Like some level of stress is healthy. That's going to help you get your work done. But pathological levels are kind of going to push you to this level where you're not going to be productive. So I think meditation and being staying physically active were both like really good for me during that time. How much of that self-care that you were able to focus on as a pre-med student has transferred over to you uh, maintaining some sanity as uh, as a medical student, I'm assuming? Almost 100%. I like never used to go to the gym and now I regularly work out and go to the gym, whether that's like three to four days a week. And if I'm not at the gym, I'll try to like go outside on like walks just to kind of like keep my mind fresh, especially right now while I'm studying for step one, it's like a full-time job, like 24 seven, basically you wake up, you're studying and then you go back to sleep. So you need something to keep you active in different ways so that you're not always in the books. So that that was definitely one big thing for me. And the meditation thing has also been um, consistent. So every evening, just for like 10 minutes, like closing my eyes, taking some deep breaths and kind of looking back on the day, kind of thinking about, okay, what, what went well today? What could I have done differently? At what points was I stressed and didn't handle that stress super well? Can I change tomorrow? And I think that daily contemplation change in outlook has like helped me be a little better at handling my stress every day. And even if there are some days where it doesn't go super well, overall, I can still like track like, okay, I'm making progress, even if it's a little bit, it's still progress. So Kevin, I, I hear you, right? Exercising, great meditation, wonderful. But there is a student out there listening to this right now saying, I don't have time. I need to study for the MCAT, or in your case, step one. I need to work on my personal statement for applications. I need to study for my OCHEM final. Whatever they are in the middle of right now, and they look at it as a 30-minute, 45-minute, hour-and-a-half-long distraction from what they should be doing by going and, and playing at the gym for, for however long. How, how, do you, how do you counter that, that argument, that concern? Yeah. Well, for one, I would like to ask that person, are they, are they not sleeping? Like you are taking eight hours out of your day, seven to eight hours to sleep. Are you not eating your food? Like these are still things that you're like taking time out of your day to do. And this is just something that at first when you do it, it feels like a drag, right? Like oh, I'm taking time out of my day to go to the gym and it's going to suck at first. It's going to feel like poison, like this really sucks. But once you build in that consistency and once you realize that taking that break is actually like good for your brain, it gives you like a fresh perspective, it will be built into your routine, just like brushing your teeth or eating a meal or sleeping. So at first, it was very hard for me. I'd say probably like the first one or two months were very difficult. The consistency was super hard. But then once I started realizing that doing this was actually like freeing my body, like freeing mental energy and making it easier for me to actually accomplish what I needed to, 
then it became a lot easier for me to get myself out of my seat and say, okay, this is actually going to help you. Because if you're just sitting at your desk for eight hours a day, like your brain is going to be dead after like, <laughs> you're, you're not going to be able to think properly. Like you need something to keep your mind fresh. And yeah. I think that's what these things have been really good for me. Yeah. I, I think it's simple math. If you want to try to uh, equate it of, uh, 70% effectiveness for eight hours is worse than 90% effectiveness for six hours. And, and I think students really just need to understand that the, the breaks help. They, they help. Mm -hmm. Just like we know that sleep is where like all our memories are solidified. All the stuff that we learn goes and gets stored somewhere in our, in our axons and dendrites and whatever, our neurons, um, that then I, I think we just, it, it's hard. I, I do the same thing, right? I, I run a business with lots of people and I always have something to do and it always gets in the way of doing the things that I know I should be doing. And, and I feel like it's like, oh, if I, if I go to the gym, then I can't, I can't uh, write another email or I can't do another social media post or I can't do whatever. And it, I, I feel it. I feel it. But then I also feel it because then I have less energy and I have less motivation and whatever. I'm less happy potentially, right? It's hard. Yeah. It's just about the balance, striking the right balance, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> what have you been able to do uh, in, in terms of that transition from pre-med to medical student? Did, did you find that balance right away or did, did it take some time to find that balance? Yeah, it definitely took a while. I'm sure you've heard this from so many people, but going to medical school, starting medical school is like drinking out of a fire hose. And yes, that is absolutely correct. You will go into the first block and you will feel like, oh my God, like this is so much information and it's just going to get thrown at you from every angle. And people are going to tell you, oh, use boards and beyond, use pathoma, use first aid, use this, use that. But you can't use everything and there's not enough time in the day to do everything and you're never going to know everything. And I think that was like the hardest thing to transition because I feel like as a pre-med, pre-meds are like, oh my God, like need to know everything, need to score in the top 10%. And they're always like needing to be on their A game. And I think after you get into medical school, you realize, okay, it's not possible to know everything, but I think studying or learning how to study smarter as opposed to working harder. So finding what works for you, finding what resources work for you, using that trial and error to figure out what it is for you that's okay and not getting influenced by other people because a lot of people will tell you what is working for them, what is good for them. Like, yeah, that might be good for you, but it might not be the best study strategy for you. So you also need to take a step back and kind of be like, okay, what is going to be the best way for me to do well on this exam? Or what is going to be the best way for me to maintain my mental sanity? Like it's different for everybody. And I think it took me like the whole first semester to figure out what that balance was. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of a similar story for the um, people in my class too. What do you do about the the guilt? Did you ever have any guilt of like, okay, as a, as an undergrad, I figured out some balance, some meditation, exercise, and now I'm here in medical school and I'm not doing that. Did, 
it, like shame is is a very popular thing in my head of like I just feel bad that I'm not doing these things and then they it kind of spiral into this world of where I continue to not do the things because I'm not doing the things like how do you how do you handle that mhm i think I'm super lucky to go to a medical school that has a really robust wellness program. Not a lot of medical schools have that, but I think it is becoming more and more popular. So we have like a great wellness director and we have like a wellness chair and we like frequently have um, events set up throughout school where it's like, oh, like come to this event and learn more about wellness, like learn about healthy sleep habits, learn about um, how to eat better. And we have different sessions set up like that too. And also most of our exams have also been pass fail and that has kind of like eased the stress too. So I think having those programs built into the school has made it easier for me to focus on um, being able to meditate and being able to exercise from a pretty early point. And I think just understanding that school can't be all about like working, working, working all the time. And there needs to be some sort of balance between that and your personal wellness has been super important for me. Yeah. Do you see a change or have you seen a change in your classmates from kind of the start of medical school to now where, uh, potentially there's a, a, a switch of those who didn't prioritize self-care, you can start to see prioritizing. And those maybe that started off great, maybe have fallen off. That's a really interesting question. I do have like different groups of friends and, you know, there's one group of friends that frequently enjoys, you know, like going out to the bars um, Friday nights, you know, and just kind of decompressing over the weekend. But then by the time Monday comes, they haven't watched any of the lectures and then they're behind for the rest of the week. So that's one group of friends. And then there's another group of friends that still decompresses, but kind of decompress in a healthier way, you know, like maybe board game night or um, just like chilling out with friends, but not in a way that's like, oh, I'm not going to do like any work over the weekend. So you definitely see over time, like, okay, the group of friends that don't do anything over the weekend are perpetually behind on lectures for the rest of the block. And that kind of hurts them in the end. And it has hurt a couple of my friends. Whereas the other group of people that still take time to decompress, but in a healthier way do end up doing better. Mm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's the group of people that just don't decompress at all <laughs> and are constantly studying even after an exam. And you can see, on them, like, you know, just like puffy eyes, yeah. never sleeping, never going home to spend time with their significant others or whoever it is. And that also takes a different type of toll. So there's two ends of the extreme that I would not want to be on and kind of realizing how to toggle your way between those two has been a journey for me. And it's also going to be a forever ongoing journey <laughs> for all of us, I think. Yeah. No, that's an important thing to realize that that every step of this journey, you, you have found what works for you during your preclinical years. And now as you enter your clinical years, after you take step one, 
that's all going to change and you're going to have to find a new balance and you're going to have to find a new schedule and a, a new rhythm and, and balance to everything. I, I think it's important to to understand that. And again, kind of going back to the the whole shaming yourself and, and forgiving yourself kind of thing. Understand uh, I'm in another transition period. I may not be perfect right away. I know I'm not going to be perfect right away and that's okay. I'm going to find out where that balance is for me based on the priorities I have in my life. Yeah. For the student listening to this, they're very likely a pre-med student listening to this. What is something that that you think um, maybe you experienced or you've seen in other people or just from things that you, you've read through your practices, whatever, that they may be feeling or sensing or experiencing that is burnout, but they don't recognize it as burnout. So potentially getting ahead of crashing and burning and maybe starting to take action a little bit sooner. What what are some some signs there, some things that, that may be happening to them or whatever that, that may help? Hmm. I think, yeah, burnout, burnout is definitely a big issue starting from being a pre-med going all the way up to residency. And even when you're like a practicing physician, um, I'm currently serving as a well-being champion as part of um, AAFP. And so we kind of work on, um, you know, kind of educating people about burnout, talking to them about how you could possibly recognize what some of the signs and symptoms are and preemptively tackle those. And so some of the signs could be physical, of course, you know, not getting enough sleep, the puffy eyes that I was talking about earlier, constantly feeling like you need to be in a place where you're always working, feeling like you can't leave your desk because you're not going to be able to read those last two pages or you're not going to be able to do those last 10 questions. So constantly, and like you were saying, like the feeling of guilt, right? this guilt that, oh, I didn't do those, I'm not going to do well, and I'm not going to get into med school or whatever that feeling might be. And then another thing that I've also kind of experienced has been like, imposter syndrome. So I think just like feeling like, oh, I don't know enough, and I'm not supposed to be here, like somebody else needs to take my spot. And then to try to like overcompensate and override that feeling you try to do like so much more and that also causes you to burn out. So I feel like it's a combination of like mentally feeling like you need to make up for something that you might be lacking, which you're not. That's just something that you're psychologically making yourself feel. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you're kind of adding these physical symptoms and that just turns into like this vicious cycle. Yeah. Uh, just, just to clarify, AAFP, the Academy of Family Physicians. You're yes. involved with them. Okay. Yeah. Um, awesome. So what can they do? So let, let's say the student listening is like, oh, that's that's me, right? I have burnout. I have, I'm going through this. What's something that they can do today to potentially start getting on this path of better self-care? So it's not going to happen in one day. It did not happen for me and it didn't happen for anybody. Um, I think what we're, kind of working on making right now is a is a toolkit of sorts like a toolkit of different strategies and tools that you can pull out at any time that you need but I think the biggest thing to remember is to start off 
um, with small steps and progressively as you're able to do these little small things and take these small steps, eventually they will get to a place where you can take bigger steps and kind of that will evolve into a longer well-being journey for yourself. So one example of a tool that I kind of helped to develop was this meditation thing, right? You can do like some small practices for yourself, whether that's just 10 deep breaths. If you just take a step back and take 10 deep breaths for yourself, you will realize how much you can decompress and how much you can kind of calm yourself. So that's one tool that I kind of helped develop. And then just like the body scan, kind of closing your eyes and realizing where all of your body parts are in space. And that kind of helps you separate yourself from your body almost and make it so that you can relax. So that's one um, kind of tool that we developed. And then there's many aspects of wellness, right? There can be um, this mental wellness and there's also the physical wellness that I talked about. And then there's also financial wellness. So finances are also having like a huge impact. Med school costs a lot of money. And so kind of learning how to balance that aspect of it too. So that doesn't add a new layer of stress. So I think the most important thing, if you were to say like, oh, what can I do today? Would be to take a step back and pick up this toolkit and pick just one thing that you want to do. Maybe it's taking 10 deep breaths or writing three things in your gratitude journal that make you thankful for what you've been able to do and that can kind of help distance yourself from burnout and also be able to forgive yourself for not being able to do everything because you shouldn't have to punish yourself for not being able to do that it should be a journey of wellness forgiveness while also being able to help others because if you're not well yourself and you're not able to help yourself then how are you going to be able to help others is like the thing that i always like to come back to yeah one of the things that that I have found, I heard a saying a long time ago that that um, that that I think works in this situation perfectly is you will never find time. You have to make it. So it's like, oh, I, I have to find time to exercise. I have to find time to meditate. I have to find time to insert self-care act here. Right. You'll never find time. Parkinson's principle. I don't know if you've heard this Parkinson's principle. The amount of time that it takes to do the work will expand to fill the amount of time that you have to be, to do the work. And so mm -hmm. if you set aside three hours to, to study for your OCHEM or for your step two or whatever, uh, and you set aside an hour to exercise, you will and can accomplish four hours of studying in that three hours that you blocked off versus just going, Oh, I have four hours this morning. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure I find some time to, to work out. And then you just make, Oh, I'm going slower than I thought with my studying or you get distracted with TikTok or Instagram or whatever. <laughs> and, and I think it's so important that what is important to each person is scheduled on a calendar. Right. For me specifically, I've been having a really hard time finding time to exercise. I generally personally like to work out in the morning. I've always had this, this story in my head that if I don't work out in the morning, I'm not going to work out. 
And that shocker, that happens, right? If I don't work out in the morning, I don't work out because I'm like, oh, I don't like to work out in the afternoon or oh, whatever. And, and I finally was like, look, working out in the morning is obviously not working. I got two young kids, getting them to school, it takes a lot of work. And so I need to work out in the afternoon. And so now I have a block on my schedule every day from four to five my time for gym time. And, and nobody can book that time, it's blocked. And mm -hmm. now it's up to me to actually utilize that time for gym time, <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, but it's, it's so important to go, you know what? I, I need to meditate, I need to, to exercise. All, all that to say, right? Put it on the calendar, make it a priority, put it on the calendar, make that time, don't find it. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's such a great point. It's almost like somebody's like holding you accountable. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I did, like when I started going to the gym was my friend and I would go together yep. because I felt like if I were to say like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym, I would never do it by myself. But if she was like, we are going to the gym, then I would kind of be like, oh, I have to go because she's going to and then like the guilt if she went and I didn't. So it was kind of a thing like, oh, she's holding me accountable for going to the gym. So I feel like the calendar thing is like really similar. Like if you put it on your schedule, then your calendar is almost like holding you accountable. Like, oh, this is on your schedule. This needs to be done. So if you don't do this, then, you know, yeah. you're kind of letting yourself down. So yeah. I really like that. <laughs> Have you seen those, those tools uh, where th there are a couple of things where it's like, if if you don't do something, then like it'll make a donation to like the the like anti thing that you agree with, right? If you're if you're pro uh, if you're pro choice, it's gonna donate a hundred dollars to a pro life organization. If <laughs> if you break like your your promise to yourself, like that's very extreme. But there are other tools out there that are like send a, a tweet to to try to guilt you or shame you. Um, so there's, there's lots of stuff out there because it seems like the, the trend or the, uh, the, the common theme here is that humans aren't very accountable to themselves. Yeah. That's hard. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, may, maybe the one potential takeaway here is the, one of the first steps is maybe go find some like-minded pre-med students who are maybe in a similar boat and 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 maybe see if you can form a little accountability group what do you think about that i like that yeah that's a good idea because i i feel like with that there should also be a balance though because every pre-med is different right and some yep. pre-meds might be more uptight so to say <laughs> than others and that could also add more stress but if you find somebody who like you said is also just like you, um, very similar, like similar studying habits. I think that could be that could be really helpful. Yeah. But then also taking the time to step back and say, okay, like what do what do I need to work on? Like what is um, my personal thing that I kind of need to do for myself? So just kind of striking that balance. Yeah. What else do you want to add that we haven't talked about today? Hmm. I think, I mean, just going back to like the general, like med school application process and just the whole, I think it's really hard to 
think like, oh my God, there's so many steps in this process. Like my MCAT score, my personal statement, my letters of rec, all these million secondaries that I need to write. Like there's, there's a lot of moving parts in the process. And, and I would be lying if I said that it wasn't stressful for me, but I think the most important thing to remember is to just like realize like there are, there are a lot of moving parts. Med schools know that the people who are on the ad comms know that and they understand all the stress that everybody's going through. You just, your job is to do what you can, go take the MCAT, write your personal statement, be as authentic and genuine as you possibly can because you want to go to a school that's going to be a good fit for you. So be authentic, be genuine, um, put in all the work that you need to for everything and then literally just trust the process. Like I ended up, getting into med school and it ended up being fine. And most people do end up getting into med school provided they do all the work. So if you do all the work, just be genuine to yourself while you're writing your personal statement and just trust that what is meant to happen is going to happen in the end. So really just trust the process. <laughs> all right, so there you have it. Again, amazing guest, Kevna, talking about her journey to being a uh, med student, a pre-med student, a stressful part about being a pre-med student, and so much more. Hopefully, you were able to learn some things, I hope, from today's episode that will help you be a better pre-med student, help you be a better medical student, and hopefully a better physician in the future. I hope you have a great week. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, blueprintmcat.com for their free, amazing resources. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.